Good morning. Welcome to worship at First Presbyterian Church of Columbus, Georgia. We're glad that you're here to join us as we worship God by offering our prayers and singing songs and listening to scripture. Please come in with us that we may worship God together. first lesson this morning comes from the prophet of Isaiah, who visited us just a little while ago, from the 40th chapter of his book. Comfort, O comfort my people, speak, says your God, speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term. Her penalty has been paid. She has received from the Lord's hand double for all of her sins." A voice cries out, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all the people shall see together the mouth of the Lord has spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I say, what shall I cry? All flesh is grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. Surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of of God shall stand forever. Get up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good tidings. Lift up your voices with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings. Lift it up, do not fear, says the city of, of Judah. Here is your God." See, the Lord God comes with might, and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him, and his recompense before him. He feeds his flocks like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. The word of the Lord. Each of the four Gospels has a different way of telling about the arrival of Jesus and what it did. This morning, beginning from the very beginning of the Gospel of Mark, is this story. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as it is written by the prophet Isaiah, see, I am sending my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist. And he ate locusts and wild honey. And he proclaimed... The one who is coming is more powerful than I am. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. The word of the Lord. The Polar Express is a story that you may have heard. It is about a young boy who takes a magical train ride 
The train comes down his street late on Christmas Eve. It stops and it picks up all the children from all the houses that are on that street. All the boys and girls, they come out and they get on the train and they are whisked away through the woods and over rivers and through vales. And they end up at the North Pole. And there at the North Pole, they are gathered with all the children from all over the world. And they are standing in the presence of Santa Claus as Santa is getting ready to get on his sleigh and ride away and do the Santa thing. But before Santa leaves, he picks this boy and he asks him to come forward. And he asks the boy what he wants most for Christmas. And this is what the boy says. I knew that I could have any gift I could imagine, but the thing I wanted most for Christmas was not inside Santa's giant bag. What I wanted more than anything was a silver bell from Santa's sleigh. When I asked, Santa smiled. Then he gave me a hug, and he told an elf to cut a bell from the reindeer's harness. And the elf tossed the sleigh, tossed the bell to me. And Santa held it high up, and he said, The first gift of Christmas. Santa bustled off. He gave the boy the bell, and the bell he put in his pocket, and he kept it, and he was quite excited. Then it was time for all the children to get back on the train, and they rode their trains home, and they stopped, and they got off, and they went to their bedrooms, and they went to sleep. The next morning, everyone woke up, and the boy woke up, and his sister woke up as well, they went downstairs, and the boy realized in his pocket there was a hole, and the bell had fallen out, and he had lost this bell, and he was sad. But it was Christmas morning, and there were presents, and so he, they all opened them. And after all the presents were opened, the sister noticed there was still one box, a small box under the tree, and it was marked for the boy and she gave it to him. He opened it up, and inside was the bell that Santa had given him. And it read, found this on the seat of my sleigh. Fix the hole in your pocket, Mr. C. The boy, the boy shook the bell, and it made the most beautiful noise that he and his sister had ever heard. But his mother said, Oh, that's too bad. And his father said, it's broken. They could not hear this most beautiful sound. This is the time of year when we will hear a whole series of stories over again, or maybe for the first time, about the wonders of this season of Advent and Christmas. They come rushing over us like an express train, whisking us away to places that we want to hear about, places with love and joy and peace and grace and wonder and hope. And we nod our heads, we smile. Isn't that nice? Isn't that wonderful? But all too often, 
our smile is a little bit condescending because we don't hear those bells anymore. The first chapter of Mark is also an express. It is the gospel express. It blows off the page, and it says the beginning of the good news. Boom! No stories of sheep or shepherds, no stories of stables or wise men or gifts. It just blows off the page. This is the beginning. The prophet Isaiah said, and John the Baptist arrives with a message, repent and receive forgiveness. This story is rooted in the past. There is a voice from the past, from Isaiah, that announces that it is coming, and it looks to the future, but it stays in the present. The present word is the coming of the forgiveness of sins. The things that are wrong in the world will be made right. The things that were wrong will be corrected. For that to happen, there must be acknowledgement. <clears throat> there must be repentance. And there was. When the people heard this story, they came out in droves to John the Baptist. <clears throat> and they were baptized to acknowledge their complicity and to find a way forward. All the people came forward to stand in front of a man who was clothed in animal hide, who ate locust and honey. The message version renders John's proclamation this way. The real action comes next. The star in this drama, to whom I'm a mere stagehand, will change your life. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life into a kingdom life. His baptism, a holy baptism by the Holy Spirit, will change you from the inside out. Repentance, the word here is to turn around, metanoia, to go in a different direction than we think we, than we have been going. And it's, it's more than simply saying, oh, I'm sorry if I offended you. That is not repentance. That is not accountability. Repentance is claiming responsibility and going in a different direction. Sometimes it may be 180 degrees, or sometimes it may just be a matter of degrees, and yet the direction is different, and the, and the location of the destination changes. Bill W., is one of the founders of Alcoholics Anonymous, the ancestor movement to all of the 12-step movements. By circumstance, Bill W. became addicted to alcohol. He sought treatment from his doctor and other places. And during one of those stints in a treatment facility, he was visited by a friend. Actually, he wasn't a friend. He was a drinking buddy named Ebby Thatcher. Thatcher had found the Christian renewal movement known as the Oxford Movement. It had given him the resources that he needed to confront his addiction, and he shared that with Bill. 
But Bill was not convinced. It didn't make sense to him. Yet one night in 1933, while he was in a treatment facility, after he had been visited by his friend, Bill had a very profound experience. He describes it in these words, suddenly my room blazed with an indescribably white light. I was seized with an ecstasy beyond description. Every joy I had known was pale by comparison. Then came a blazing thought, you are a free man. This is a dramatic story. It is a turning point in his life. The next morning, Bill met his wife, met with his wife. She visited him, and he told her that he would never drink again. That was in 1933, and he did not. He died in 1971. Bill had been profoundly changed and had changed his direction. Yet even so, he struggled with other issues in his life, depression, infidelity, addiction to tobacco. Yet that encounter that night in 1933 allowed him to make a huge impact through his authorship of the big book, as it is called, and 12 Steps and 12 Traditions. Now, don't be misled by what I say. Bill W. knew that his addiction had medical roots. It was a medical matter. It was not simply a matter of his will. He couldn't just make himself want to quit. Addiction is an illness, and he needed the medical treatments. Yet, at the same time, he knew that he needed to surrender to the fact that he could not defeat this illness by himself. He gave himself over to God and to the community of fellow strugglers. And by that way forward, walking together in concert and in partnership, they changed the world. The Gospel Express took hold of Bill W., and it took him in a direction that changed his life and allowed him to share what had happened to him with many other people and through that, provide a blessing for the world. Our turning around, our repentance may not be as dramatic as this one single event. It may come over time. One of the practices that we Presbyterians do is that we ordain our lay leaders, not just clergy like myself, but our elders and our deacons are ordained. They don't do that in the Methodist church. They don't do that in the Baptist church or the Episcopal church or the Catholic church. Lay leaders are ordained in our Presbyterian tradition. That means they are set apart just like clergy are. And the process for that is to prepare to share your faith story and to prepare to be knowledgeable about the practices and the patterns and the thoughts and teachings of our tradition. That process includes a sharing of the faith story. Early on when I was a pastor in the first church I served, actually the first year I was serving as a pastor, I shared that with the session and they had not done that in a while. And there was one 
elder in particular who was a little bit resistant to it. He said, I don't have anything special to say. I've been a member of this church for a long time. It's, the, it's only the second church I've ever been a member of. I was born in one church and I got married and we came over here. I don't have anything to say, he said. But on the appointed night, he did share. He talked about going into the service during World War II and how that experience changed him. And it made him ask questions about what he valued and about his relationships and how he was to live in the world. He didn't give many details. In fact, I can't remember any details he gave, but you could tell by the catch in his throat and the moistness in his eye that this was a really special event he was sharing. It was holiness. It was that time of being open to something that's bigger than yourself. And he went on to say that because of that and because of a number of other things that had happened to him through his life, he had been changed and he had found faith in Jesus and he had followed in that way. His world had been turned around. He didn't say it this way, but in a sense, his world had been turned on several occasions by several events and several times. In reality, I think that's how we live life in so many ways. There may be those big moments, but there are indescribably a number of smaller moments. They come and they touch us in different ways. And we turn and are turned and we turn toward Jesus to make our way new, not by an act of will, but an act of acknowledging that we are followers. I like the Polar Express. As many of you know, it's also not just a book, but it's a movie. And I also like Mark's Gospel Express. The coming of Jesus is the news that will reshape the world. It is not just to reshape the world in our individual life. It is to reshape the world as we live in it and as we share in it. It allows us to confront diseases like addiction and challenges that we face about how we think about other people, how we are to act and how we are to share, how we are to be in the world, to be the light of Christ. The gospel express is like a bell that rang, just like the handbells rang theirs, but like these, that ringing of the bells that we hear so often at this time of the year. But we hear it so often now with clarity. We hear it with purpose. All too often though, if we are honest with ourselves, we know that sometimes we lose that ability to hear. The ringing becomes tinny or it grows very, very faint. And there may be even times when we don't hear that bell at all. But it doesn't mean that the bell has not rung and is not ringing. It does not mean that it will not ring again for us. Nor does it mean 
we may not hear the bell ring in new ways. All of that is possible. God's bell rings in Jesus Christ. God's bell rings in Jesus Christ. If you have never heard it, then may this Advent season be the time that you hear it with clarity and conviction for the first time. If you have heard it, but it has grown dim or you haven't heard it in a long time, then may this Advent season be the time you hear it again in a new and exciting way. May the bell of God's presence in Jesus Christ ring in this season for all of us and for all the world. For this day, for this time, forever. Amen. Thanks be to God. It's been a privilege to join you this day in worship. We're glad that you were here. First Presbyterian Church seeks to serve and minister in the name of Jesus Christ. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord be kind and gracious to you. May the Lord look upon you with favor. Go in peace as you love and serve God.